Well, welcome back to a special day of broadcasting here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to a bonus drive time afternoon session of Roadmap to Heaven here on our airwaves. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Seek 24 in beautiful downtown St. Louis at the Dome at America Center. Patty Schneier is going to be with me all week. Patty, it's great to have you back with us. It's great to be here. We're having an exciting day. So much is going on, and we're just meeting some amazing people. We're so excited to be here and to bring this to our listeners. Yeah, and, you know, normally we would start the show with the morning offering, but it's the afternoon. So let's uh, let's, let's give the hour to the Blessed Mother. Sounds great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Well, again, what an incredible day it has been, and uh, it, it just keeps getting better and better. We got some statistics this morning by email that we we want to share with you. So, Patty, take it away. Tell us what we're talking about, what's happening in downtown St. Louis right now. Well, this is a big deal. I want to let our listeners know that uh, we're at Seek 24, which is sponsored by Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And um, tomorrow night, of course, is the night when anyone can come down for adoration. And they already have over 23,000 people registered for tomorrow night. That's an increase of over 5,000 from last year. So sign-ups are continuing to happen. You've still got today, tomorrow, to come on down for adoration tomorrow night here at the Dome. There are over um, 19,700 paid attendees of college students that are here. So basically 20,000 college students are here. That's a 28% increase over last year. And um, there are also an 81% jump in participants for the Making Missionaries Disciples track. So that's huge. That's for the adults who want to come down and learn some techniques and how they can better evangelize and be witnesses in their parishes. There are 44 bishops who are here currently today. That is double from last year um, that was here. And there are 450 seminarians who are registered here at SEEK. That's up from 250 last year. Those are just some basic numbers. of how big this conference is. So we're here with yeah. 30,000 of our friends. You know, you've got about 20,000 college students and all the other people coming for adoration and the adults that are with them. It's it's incredible. I, I don't know about you, but every time I turn a corner, it's like, oh, I know that person. I know yes. that. I, I've, I keep seeing someone I know. But, Patty, the beautiful thing that I love about this week, especially these afternoon shows, are the new people that we get yes. to meet. And, uh, you know, we've been walking around Mission Way, which is where we're located at with our booth, the exhibitors. And uh, we, we've met some friends from Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the, the Diocese of Green Bay, from Camp Tekawitha. And I'm, I'm really pleased to join, have join us on the show today. We've got uh, Abby Sorensen and Caitlin Kupski. Uh, who, you're from the Diocese of Green Bay, and most importantly, where you, you got my attention was Camp Tekawitha. And so, first off, welcome to St. Louis, welcome to Seek, and welcome to Coven Network. Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Camp Tekawitha is located in Shawano, Wisconsin, which is just about 40 miles from Green Bay. And we have a 37-acre property right on the lake, and we just get to spend all summer um, hanging out with uh, youth ages 6 to 18, um, sharing Christ and getting to do that all while spending time on the lake, in the woods, and on the field. Yeah, so what is your, Caitlin, what is your favorite thing about camp? Because that's a pretty broad age range. I, I have 6 to 13 at home, and that, that feels like I'm spanning generations, even though I'm not. Um, when you have all these, all these different ages gathered, what do you love about camp? I really love all of the growth that you see in the kids over the course of a week, no matter if they're 7 years old, coming for the first time, gaining independence, or maybe they're 12 years old, they're in a little bit older of a cabin, and they really just bond and really make new friendships with each other over the week. Um, all of our ages do different things so that, you know, it's not anything too crazy with 6 to 18. They all have their own ages, and they all get to experience new things and the love of God's creation and in our counselors. That is, that is beautiful. So when we were talking about numbers earlier, you have 10 weeks of camp, 200 campers per week, so that's 2,000 campers per summer. That sounds exhausting. I have five at home, I have five, but they're permanent campers, so, you know, they're, they're residents. Um, it can obviously be a very uh, tiring thing, but good work often is. What's the fruit 
that you receive from that? You know, how, how does God work in your life, um, not just the lives of the campers? Yeah, great question. Uh, I would say just knowing the impact that you make on another child's life. Um, before both of us were full-time staff members, we were both camp counselors. And we just worked with those kids each week and just seeing their joy light up when they get to come away from home. They get to go out on the lake when they live in the city and they get to spend time in the woods, have a campfire at night. Yeah. Um, and just the ways that they have grown closer to God over the week really keeps us going. Abby, one of the things that we've been talking about in the lead up to Seek and, and being here this week is the importance of that encounter with our Lord that, you know, it, it's not enough to just quote the catechism. I love the catechism. Don't get me wrong. We just had about two hours of catequiz at our booth of, of, of how well do you know the faith? How well do you know these things? It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, you know, you, and I love the way Pope Benedict talked about it. It's an encounter with a person. It's an encounter with love. Um, why? You know, how, how is camp a vehicle for that? And w what sets that apart from some of the other camps that kids could go to across the country? Sure, yeah, we are um, specifically Catholic and that has been a big part of our shift in our identity. Uh, we're named after St. Kateri Tekawitha and so she is our patroness and we really rely on her intercession um, and we teach the kids about her and what she went through to hold on to her faith. Um, and we really just focus on the sacraments and offering daily mass and weekly adoration and stations of the cross and prayer before meals, um, but also doing it in a fun environment where they get to see young adults leading by example, um, which is huge. Yeah. What, what is, what's some of the feedback you hear from parents? Because I remember uh, working, when I worked in parish ministry, we had a parishioner who said, oh, you should send your, your teen to this program. And it was just a weekend retreat. It wasn't a, a full-on camp. And she came home and he said, what, what did they do to my daughter? She came home, she's praying now, and, and she's reading the Bible, and I, she's never done that before, you know? Yeah, a lot of the feedback that we get from parents is just how they've grown throughout the week. They see young people modeling the faith for them and our counselors, and they are with other kids their age that also love Christ and are able to grow together throughout the week and really grow a good foundation. All right. So if, if your kids love nature, or even if they don't, if they, if, if they want to love nature, and uh, you want them to have a week of wholesome, Catholic, fun, and formation, Camp Tekawitha in Green Bay, Diocese of Green Bay. Are you, are you in, like, Green Bay proper with the camp or kind of outside? outside? Yeah, outside of the city. All right. And then uh, for more information, where can we go? camptechowitha.org is our website and we've got all of our information on there. All right. Well, wonderful. Abby, Caitlin, it has been great to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven this afternoon and great to meet you at SEEK and we'll, we'll have to stay in touch. This has been wonderful to talk with you. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. We're going to take a break here and don't go anywhere. When we come back, we've got some special guests this hour. Next up, we've got Amy Eschelbach from the Archdiocese of St. Louis who will be joining us. And then later on, uh, he welcomed everyone to seek last night. Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky is going to stop by our booth here at Covenant Network. Stay tuned. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. And we are back here this afternoon to this special live broadcast of Roadmap to Heaven in the afternoon. I'm Patty Schneier, joined with Adam Wright. And, uh, you know, Adam, in just talking with those women from Camp Tekawitha, I just, you know, have to say we need to share with our listeners the great idea that you had, which was parents... If you're looking for this wonderful opportunity for you and your spouse perhaps to get a little getaway, Camp Tekawitha is up in Wisconsin, so you could have something for your children for a week. They could go to Camp Tekawitha, and then you and your spouse could actually have a week up in Wisconsin doing your own little thing, and everybody could be happy. I think that's a game yeah. changer for a wonderful week when parents might need that special time and yet they want to provide something meaningful for their children as well. Happy, holy, healthy marriages there you uh, go. require work. And you know what? Here's the thing. If, if I was going to take my, my kids to camp in another state, there would be part of Beth and I that would be saying, but what if something happens and, and we're back home in St. Louis? Well, hey. what if something happens and we're just the, the next county over exactly. at, a, at a lake house or something like that? You're, you're selling me on this idea, Patty. I really, <laughs> I, I, you know, we, 
I think it's, I wish we would have thought of something like that when our kids were during those school age years. I mean, we did local camps, yeah. but to, to do something where they really do feel like they're getting yeah. a vacation and it's geared toward them and the parents are getting a little getaway at the same time, well, I, I think it. that's a winner. I love it. Well, speaking of your kids going places, I remember many, many moons ago when I was but a, a young lad, at the age of 21, I got involved volunteering with the Office of Youth Ministry in the Archdiocese of St. Louis at the uh, Steubenville Conferences. And back then it was called Life Matters. It's, uh, that was the pro-life pilgrimage that happened at the time. And now, somehow, through some twist of fate, I'm probably sending my oldest to a Steubenville Conference this coming summer. And it feels really weird to say that, but it's also really exciting to say that. And here to speak with us about some great things happening in that Office of Youth Ministry and the Archdiocese of St. Louis is Amy Eschelbach, the Director of the Office of Youth Ministry. Amy, it's good to have you back with us on Roadmap to Heaven. Adam, Patty, grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, you guys have an exciting booth right next to us, which I love. It's this very beautiful presence when you walk in that says, Welcome to the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You've got our three patron saints beautifully there, St. Vincent de Paul, St. Rose Philippe Rose Philippe Duchenne, and of course St. Louis, and you've got couches, and then right next to us, right next to you, is us here at Covenant Network. Yeah. So it's a really hopping area here at SEEK. It is, it is. Our hope was when people entered Mission Way, they would see the welcome sign and really feel welcomed here in St. Louis, that, that we are a hospitable archdiocese, and that they see a vibrant Catholic community here. Yeah, if you had a sign in addition to the signs you already have, I think it should be, come to me, all ye who labor, and I will give you rest because your hospitality on the couches and chairs over there has been a godsend for me, at least. I don't know about anybody else, but <laughs> I, I've, I've been hanging out over there, over there with the Archdiocese. <laughs> Amy, this is a headline year for the Office of Youth Ministry. In, in this city, 25 years ago, St. John Paul II came. There was a youth rally that was really the birth of the OIM as we know it right now. It's a big year. What, what are you doing to celebrate this year? It is. It's a big year not only to uh, celebrate what, what has happened in the Office of Youth Ministry, but more so all the good youth ministry that's happened across the Archdiocese, which is happening parish by parish, person by person. And, and so we want to thank God for all of that, all of the, the fruit that the Holy Spirit has borne here in our Archdiocese. Um, and, and also get people together who have been involved in youth ministry and kind of remember the good times and remember what it's like to, um, to pour into another disciple, um, to never forget that. So we're going to gather, um, actually on the anniversary, January 26th, we're going to have a trivia night. Um, our office has started a uh, scholarship fund, um, named after St. John Paul II. And we're going to have a trivia night on January 26th to raise money for the scholarship fund. And all of that money goes to helping parishes either start or continue youth ministry. So we never want costs to be prohibitive in a young person encountering Christ. I've seen that lived in your office uh, many times, and and it's a beautiful thing. So it's hard to believe that, you know, right after that trivia night, there are some important dates coming up. It's usually in the spring that registration opens for Kenrick Glennon days and has when does Steubenville registration begin for all those youth ministers out there listening well let's start with Kenrick Glennon days so for our young men registration for Kenrick Glennon days opens on February 1st so that's going to be the first date that our listeners are going to want to remember and then Steubenville is actually going to open on a week later February 8th so Steubenville registration will open February 8th and um we're looking forward to both of those conferences in July. We gather together down in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, we hope to have close to 10,000 youth um, come to know our Lord in a, in a deeper way. Yeah, it, it's a wonderful weekend, very similar to what's happening here. There's, there's keynote sessions, there's breakout sessions, there's uh, beautiful liturgies, there's great times of fellowship, prayer, and so on and so forth. I, I and, and it's been neat to watch that grow. I was at the second Steubenville at... Uh, St. Louis University High School's gymnasium hmm. way back when, and then they moved to the theater down at Missouri State, and then it grew too big for that. Now they're in, you're in the arena at Missouri State. It's, it's, it's amazing to see what God has done with that conference over the past. And two weekends, yeah. too. We're the only one, I think, that offers two weekends back-to-back. Am I right? That is true, yeah, yes. Which is mm-hmm. yes. a Other huge than testament. main campus. Right, main campus, right. But, yes. but across the country, to do two weekends that are filled with a lot of St. Louis youth, 
and the whole Missouri and you know Midwest area is wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know it was huge for my kids yeah. to be able to go to the Steuben Book Conferences. No. Again, all of these are very important encounters for young people. We're talking about SEEK. We're talking about youth ministry. We've talked about Life Teen. We're talking about these events that are that are crucial for a young person to make that commitment that they want to follow Christ on their own. And we all know as parents, that's the goal. That is the goal for them to choose it for themselves. So yeah. what are some things that you do in the Office of Youth Ministry to, you know, sponsor these events, of course, but um, also just to get the word out of all of the good things that are happening? Sure, absolutely. Well, we've uh, got our social media channels. I know I've plugged those on the on the radio here before, but uh, stlyouth.org is our website, so folks can go there. Um, but really, I would say... Um, you know, the, the youth events, obviously, are what we're talking about, and that's what's important. But I would say our bread and butter uh, at the office is, is actually trying to really train the youth ministers and the volunteers so that they can go into their parishes and have on-the-ground, happy, healthy, holistic youth ministry. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we can do kind of a flash-in-the-pan event, and, and things like Seek and Steubenville, they're awesome to get us started but we got to take that home with us. And mm-hmm. so how can we as an office help facilitate bringing these great experiences home and into a daily prayer life? Right. We were talking with Kelly Simpson earlier today from Life Teen about their particular format of youth ministry, which is what, you know, what I went through, what I've helped out with over uh, many, many years. Um, but one of the points we mentioned was if you're in the Archdiocese of St. Louis and you want to see youth ministry happen at your parish and you've got willing people but you don't know what to do, you, you call Amy and you call and you say, hey, we want to get this started. Father's open to it. What do we need to do? And, uh, you know, I, I joke around because some places you say, well, when's the next training? And, and with your office, Amy, what I've seen is, well, when are you free? Hmm. You know, that, that's when the next training is. We'll make it happen. We'll work with you. That's our hope. We want to we wanna be service-oriented and uh, meet the parishes where where they are with what they need. So yeah. that's the goal. That's the goal. All right. Well, Amy, it, it has been wonderful to speak with you again. stlyouth.org is the website for more information. You can find the Trivia Night there. Absolutely. You can find Steubenville there. And it, uh, Is there a link Lennon to Kenrick Lennon Days there, or do we have to go to the Vocations we'll, website we'll for that? We'll get a link up there, but it, it's right. from the Vocation office. But yeah. We'll, yeah, that's and, all great opportunities. And, and, and thank you again. You know, we, you were hosted us back in November for the summit. You allowed us to do the morning show from that event, and that was just a joy to be there. So uh, I would say this. If you're listening and you have kids, grandkids, uh, nephews that are of that, that middle school age, and you, you want them to experience seminary for the, for the young men, uh, look into Kenrick Lennon days. Yeah, Patty, your son, Father John, he's yep. helped out for many years at Kenrick Lennon days. It's a great time. It's a wonderful program. And then for the high school young men and women, um, graduating eighth graders into graduating seniors can go as correct, well. Correct, correct. So uh, Steubenville, St. Louis, Mid-America is a fantastic weekend. Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Archbishop Mitchell Ruzanski, speaking of great things happening in St. Louis, to, to hear some of his reactions to Seek 24 so far and everything that's happening at the Dome. So stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Well, we are back, and what a fantastic day we're having at Seek 24 here in downtown St. Louis. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Patty Schneier. And, uh, Patty, we have a very special guest with us. He is the one who welcomed everyone to St. Louis last night. And uh, it's always a joy to have him on Roadmap to Heaven, Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky, the Archbishop of our beloved hometown. Archbishop, it is great to be with you, as always, but it's great to be with you here at at Seek. Seek. Indeed, because you can just feel the energy, the love for the Lord, and to see so many young people and so many professed women religious and men religious and priests and bishops. I think it's the largest attendance of bishops that Seek has ever had. We just got some stats. I'm not sure if you saw these stats, but there are 
44 bishops attending, and that is doubling from last year. 450 seminarians are here, are registered up from 250 last year. And for the Making Missionary Disciples, there's an 81% increase of that. And they have over, um, let me think, over almost 19,707 paid attendees. That's 28% more college students that are here. And for tomorrow night, Archbishop, because I know this has been very big for you, you've been welcoming and telling people to come, there are 3,441 people registered to come down to the dome tomorrow night for adoration. That's families and adults. So we just want to keep getting the word out. This is a big event. It's huge for the Archdiocese, yeah. and we're thrilled that these numbers show it's an even an increase over last and year. And still time to register for t tomorrow night's adoration tomorrow night, at seek Archbishop, what does it mean to you to have, I mean, the numbers Patty just talked about, but as you were standing on the, uh, the stage in the dome, it was converted into a beautiful sanctuary last night. What did that mean to you to look out and see all of these people gathered in prayer here in our hometown? Well, first of all, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about my preparation for the Mass. Oh, yeah. So I remembered uh, a few days before having the Mass that this is the 25th anniversary of St. John Paul II's visit to St. Louis. Yes. He had Mass on that very altar in wow. that very place where, again, tens of thousands of people gathered. Yes. So the few days before the Mass, I was really asking for the inspiration of St. John Paul II for the homily, because the homily was on Mary, the Mother of God, and certainly for the Sikh Conference on Discipleship. And, you know, it just came together, uh, knowing that Mary is our model disciple. So to look out and see all of those people again here for a mass at the dome yeah. and to be able to lead them in worship and think of the inspiration of john paul ii i mean what what better could come together right. for that that is right? beautiful yeah the, and the ripple effect of that one event for this archdiocese was so huge i mean i was there with my son my, my son john was only six years old he was too young to go because we had to get up at two o'clock in the morning to be here but the ripple effect of that one event i know so many people have talked about it for years and i think in a way that this is what seek is for our young people mm -hmm. one of those events huge not just for our archdiocese, but for everybody who comes. Yeah. The ripple effect will be felt for many, many years. Certainly, certainly. But to, and to also think of not only how many from our archdiocese of St. Louis are here, part of this group of some 20,000 people, but the over 3,000 and more who will come for the Wednesday evening uh, adoration. So, so edifying uh, to see the graces that are pouring down upon the Church of St. Louis. It, it's it just really wonderful. is. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, your homily last night, what, what you said, the, the German mystic, and I can't remember his name, but I remember the quote. Angelus Silesius. Christ could be born a thousand times in Bethlehem, but it's all in vain if he isn't born in my heart. And that invitation you had for us this week to just allow him to be born in our hearts and what tomorrow night the, the great opportunity that is for all of us that will be in that time of eucharistic adoration to invite him into our hearts i i, I thought it was such a beautiful reflection and as patty's talking about the the ripple effects of this i know right now this is a time that our diocese is very focused on evangelization and the good work that that you and father martin and and the whole crew have been doing to train leaders uh, this has got to be an invaluable time to see that 81% increase in registrations for the Making Missionary Discipleship Track. W what is your hope for everyone that goes through this as they go back into our parishes then and, and live out this mission? Well, you know, I think we're really inspired from that book that says From Christendom to the Apostolic Age. And, uh, you know, as we came over as Catholics, as immigrants, and set up parishes and ethnic parishes, we got kind of comfortable in that model. And then all of a sudden, things changed. And we all know that the church has been around for these 2,000 years because the church has seen what's happening in culture and has responded to those changes in culture. And this is a culture shift here. So we're conscious of the fact that um, that Christendom age perhaps is past. God is challenging us to this new age of 
apostolic evangelization. And so here we are with an opportunity presented to us. We just need to take advantage of those opportunities in getting out the good news of the gospel. I, I don't know what some of your favorite Christmas movies are, but every year we watch a couple of Bing Crosby movies in the house. And I was thinking about all of those shows that they have in the, in the, the movies. And I'm like, I wonder if people would actually go to those today, especially the dinner shows. And I realized, oh, you know, when this film was made, people didn't have television in their homes. And in some places, they didn't even have radio yet in their homes. So this is what you did for entertainment was you went there. And I think of how much the entertainment culture has changed. So as you talk about just our culture in general, how people are reached, how we evangelize them, I, you know, I, I actually can't really wrap my head around it, how much I use my phone now or my tablet now compared to 20 years ago when I didn't have one, um, how we used to sit in the laundry room at my parents' house if we wanted to call our friends. We didn't text anyone. Sure. Um, we've, we've got to adapt to all of these things to, to bring the good news out to the world. I was sure. going to say, but the, the opportunities are huge. We're seeing it here just in mission way of all of these, not just vendors, but organizations and apostolates and how they are able to reach so many people, whether it's through a podcast or their website. It's so yeah. easy to find mm -hmm. great resources. We've mm -hmm. never had so many resources at our fingertips or opportunities you know, we were just talking to some people from summer camps and then conferences and things for the family and things for students and things for youth ministry. The list goes on and on. And that is so beautiful to see when it's all right here in front of us. So I get excited. I know people will say, oh, it's changed. Yes, but you got to see that there's such an opportunity here. And, and that's why I'm filled with so much hope when I come to something like Seek. And I'm sure you are too, Archbishop. I, I certainly am. And you know, it's been very, very edifying for me is to see people who haven't seen each other in a while mm. and who greet one another with such enthusiasm and you could tell that they love being together again yes. and uh, you know our faith tells us that we are related as brothers and sisters yes. and so I see that very manifest here uh, at the seat conference. And, and that comes back to an important thing that has not changed in any of this time, going back to the, the early apostles and to now, is that personal invitation, that personal encounter that to say, you know, I have a story of how our Lord has worked in my life, and I'd like to share that with you, um, you know, whether that's your friend who's going through a tough time or who's going through a family struggle, perhaps an illness, whatever it may be. Or, there's a story, there's a witness out there that can speak to that. And... Um, you know, I, I wonder what some of the fruit you see, because this is the second year. This is also an extraordinary thing. That's the second year that Seek is gathered in St. Louis. How have you seen that transform just those you know here in the Archdiocese? Well, I remember last year, uh, I, I didn't exactly know what to expect from the Seek conference. I, and I had different people telling me their experiences of Sikh and, of course, being a focused missionary. So when I came down here and saw so many people uh, on fire with the faith, loving our faith and loving to live our faith, uh, I was just overwhelmed. It, it's so inspiring. And I think that most of the people here... Uh, as they go out from here into the streets of St. Louis, don't realize the witness that they bring uh, in their being alive in the faith. But that witness is palpable here in the city and beyond. And I think that that witness, Paul VI said, we don't need teachers of the faith, we need witnesses. So these, these witnesses go out from here and energize others. And that's what evangelization is all about. And I think that's the fruits of this Sikh conference here in St. Louis. Wonderful. I would like to add one other thing, too, because we were talking about the power of this and the ripple effect and you saying people running into each other. Another thing I think is so palpable here is unity. Mm -hmm. I have never seen, you know, when you're in the dome and you're talking 30,000 people and after Holy Communion, the silence and mm -hmm. everyone having a Thanksgiving, a moment of Thanksgiving, the unity and everybody, of course, it, it's just unbelievable that you have 30,000 people that are all knowing where to go to receive communion. It's just kind of, it's amazing to mm -hmm. see. But then also out here in Mission Way, the love, the unity, as you said, it's like everybody here is your brother or your sister. Yeah. And I think that's super powerful in a world today that needs unity. The, the bond of the Eucharist, the bond of our faith, to me is just palpable here more than I've experienced, I know, in just 
in everyday ordinary life. When you come to something like this, it is just amazing. Yeah. And, and I'm so grateful. I, I was just thinking for a moment here, Patty and, and Archbishop, about this bracelet I have from our Sarah Club here in St. Louis. Yes. It says, Pray for Priests. It's a mm-hmm. black bracelet with a little, little white rectangle to rec- represent the Roman collar. And as we were giving some away last night over at the Sarah Club booth, I, I said, I'll tell you exactly when to pray for priests. The entrance procession, it's going to take about four songs to get everyone in. It's a great time to pray for priests here. And, and I was thinking about how wonderful it is that all of our seminarians from St. Louis are able to be here this week as well. And I imagine they're very excited to, to be part of this. When uh, I uh, celebrated the Advent uh, Vespers Novena service at the seminary, many of the seminarians told me how much they were looking forward to uh, being here at SEEK and uh, what SEEK means to them to see young people alive with the faith and uh, ready and willing to live their faith fully. And it really encourages our seminarians that they are coming into a church that is on fire with faith and they're coming to serve a church that truly transforms the world. And I know last year, my son, Father John Schneier, what inspired him so much was the night of confessions when he said, I'm sitting here, it was before it began, with 500 priests ready to hear confessions. And he had never experienced anything like that in his life. So again, you know, that excitement of all of the different aspects of Sikh that are so unique, so beautiful, um, and inspiring our seminarians, our priests, the lay people that are here. It's its just incredible. It so really I want to thank you for allowing this to be here in our Archdiocese, Archbishop. Thank God for allowing <laughs> this to be here in our Archdiocese. Yeah. No and thank God for the gift of faith that we have and the gift of faith as it's lived here. Yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when, when your brother bishops are saying, all right, so how, how do I get this to come to my diocese here? Oh, yes. Archbishop, yes. before we let you go, I know that uh, we were just talking with Amy Eschelbach from the Office of Youth Ministry. Mm-hmm. It's a banner year for them, 25th anniversary of the office, and they've got some great stuff coming up. But also exciting, uh, at the end of this month of January, and it's hard to believe it's a New Year's Catholic Schools Week, and we're going to be celebrating our Catholic schools. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage our listeners to, to celebrate your school and, and, and pray for your teachers. Uh, my kids are going back. I've got five of them, and I'm like, all right, dear Lord, please give the teachers grace to deal with the right kids. But what a, what a jewel we have in our archdiocese and the history there. Um, but is there anything else you'd like us to keep in mind as we begin this year of 2024 and, and, and the wonderful things God's doing here in our archdiocese? Well, I, I would like to say keep our evangelization efforts in prayer. Uh, we are doing all that we can in getting out the good news of the gospel and reaching as many people as we can. So let's keep those efforts in prayer. Uh, I pray for all of those who are teaching in our Catholic schools because they're the ones who are not merely teachers, but witnesses to our faith, to very impressionable young people. So the example that they give and the impression that they leave upon our young people stays with them for life as we in our older years can still remember those people who have impressed us uh, when we were younger. So uh, keep them in prayer and uh, also let's remember as a church in St. Louis that God calls us to spread his word, to bring his kingdom to others, and to live out the gospel message. When we do that, others will be attracted to come to do that too. Amen. Amen. Well, could we ask for your blessing as we close our time together? Almighty God, as we begin this new year of 2024, we're reminded of the many opportunities that you give to us to begin again, to renew ourselves in our faith. Help all of us who seek to follow the gospel, who seek to live the words of your son, to truly live out that faith in a bold way in our world, so that in bringing his presence to others, we may be those people who transform our world, so need of light in the midst of darkness, so need of your son's message of salvation. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, Archbishop Rosansky, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the reception and night of adoration for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And remember, friends, you can still go to archstl.org slash seek and sign up uh, to come to Eucharistic Adoration tomorrow night. We are going to take a break here, Patty, and I will be back with you after this. Are you enjoying this podcast? 
Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. We pause on this Tuesday for our daily dose of encouragement as we reflect on the Surrender Novena. And Patty, I have to tell you that yesterday's question of am I willing to let go and surrender? That's going to be sticking with me all week. So I'm excited with where we are going to go today. Well, yesterday I talked about surrendering our day, our work, our schedule, and our activities, projects, responsibilities, all the things that we have to do. I think that causes us a lot of frustration throughout our day, no doubt about it. Today I want to talk about another area where I think for adults, especially those of us with children, parents, let's surrender our children. This is a really important thing, especially if you have adult children, we need to surrender them, their plans, their journey with God. And that's really hard for us to do sometimes to let go and surrender our adult children and the decisions that they make. But this surrender novena is a way to really help us do that. Also, even parents with young children, surrendering them to the Lord to realize they are a gift from God and that we are here to take care of them, to nurture them, to raise them, but ultimately they belong to God. So we're reading these reflections of the surrender novena. So here, I want you to just listen to the words of Jesus saying this to you. And again, in light of surrendering our children today. Surrender to me does not mean to fret, to be upset, or to lose hope. Nor does it mean offering to me a worried prayer, asking me to follow you and change your worry into prayer. It is against this surrender, deeply against it, to worry, to be nervous, and to desire to think about the consequences of anything. It's like the confusion that children feel when they ask their mother to see to their needs, and then they try to take care of those needs for themselves so that their childlike efforts get in the way of their mother's. Surrender means to placidly close the eyes of the soul, to turn away from thoughts of tribulation and to put yourself in my care so that only I act saying, you take care of it. So, oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. That's day two's reflection. Today, I also want to read day three's because they go hand in hand. So here's another day's reflection. How many things I do when the soul in so much spiritual and material need turns to me, looks at me and says to me, you take care of it, Jesus, then closes its eyes and rests. In pain, you pray for me to act, but that I act in the way you want. You do not turn to me. Instead, you want me to adapt to your ideas. You are not sick people who ask the doctor to cure you but rather sick people who tell the doctor how to. So do not act this way, but pray as I taught you in the Our Father. Hallowed be thy name, that is, be glorified in my need. Thy kingdom come, that is, let all that is in us and in the world be in accord with your kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that is, in our need. Decide, Lord, as you see fit for our temporal and eternal life. God says to us, if you truly say to me, thy will be done, which is the same as saying, you take care of it, I will intervene with all my omnipotence and I will resolve the most difficult situations. I love that. So let's say together, oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. This is another one of those weeks where the Overall message sounds incredibly simple, but putting it into practice takes a lot of courage and a lot of trust. But what a great way, as we said yesterday, to start our year by asking that question, am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to trust in God? Patty, thank you for today's dose of encouragement. Well, we are back, and uh, well, that wasn't that a treat to have Archbishop Rosansky with us? Always. And, of course, a- as we're wrapping up, who should walk by but another Schneier, the unofficial sports <laughs> correspondent and director for Covenant Network Radio, Father John Schneier. You know, I-, I needed to keep an eye on both my mother and my boss, so <laughs> <laughs> it's my world's colliding. <laughs> yeah. Now, Father, you, you've got some students from Maryville do. out here this week. you got a crew of about 20, 25? Yeah, about 20 students from Maryville. It's uh, about 50% bigger than last year. So 
Uh, a tremendous blessing to have a large crowd from Maryville going. And then uh, I'm also at Incarnate Word Parish in Chesterfield, and we've got about 25 people coming assorted days, you know, not entirely because we have school starting up, of course, this week. But we have some of our teachers here, our director of religious education, our principal. We'll have the youth group coming. They have a, a bus coming tomorrow night for adoration. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the place to be. It is the place yeah. to be. And, again, folks, you can still get a day pass. You can still come out uh, for an evening and of course, obviously Wednesday night, um, they're they're going to go in. They might even have to go into the upper bowl, like legitimately yeah. for adoration. I know they're going into club That's, level. They they used to call that the nosebleeds, but we're going to call it the 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 choir of angels because you're closer to yes. them. You know, <laughs> up on the 400 level. Well, you know, it, it's been a wonderful time to be together, um, Father. I know we, we're actually just talking about you on the air. Speaking of your mother and your boss, gotcha. talking with one another about last night uh, or not last night, last year, what it was like for you to be in a room with 500 of your brother priests preparing to hear confessions um yeah. you know obviously without going into the specifics of the confessions but just an opportunity like that what is it like for a priest you know it, it's a large part of what you are called to in the sacramental life right but to see that many people come to our lord for the sacrament it's incredibly encouraging um just to see so many people here i know there was a story on, a, on one of the seek podcasts uh a couple of weeks ago they were talking about how they these guys were running the communion stations for Seek in Indianapolis in 2019. And early in the week, they you know, had the right number of hosts. But then once Thursday came around, they actually ran out. And they were realizing, hey, what, what happened? Why did we run out of hosts? We had the same number of hosts as we had before. But then they realized more people were receiving communion because they had gone to confession the night before. Mm. Like They were like thousands short. So they had to add extra for the final day just to accommodate for the fact that there were now so many more people able to receive communion in a state of grace. Um, so like just to be able to feel that like I contributed, you know, not me, but me and Jesus, I, more him than me, I should also stress that, that we, we contribute in a way to helping people receive Jesus in the Eucharist at a place such as this, in a mass such as one that we had this morning or last night, it, it's truly humbling and beautiful. Wow, it, it, really, it really is. Well, here's something really amazing and beautiful. We're, we're coming up on the end of our hour here together, and uh, we're going to take a break we're good we, you know we haven't in one of our broadcasts yet today gotten you the daily dose of encouragement i know it's played other times of the day but i feel like patty with you and i here we, we should get our listeners a daily dose of encouragement so we're going to take a break get you a song get you the daily dose of encouragement our station ids and then when we come back we've got such a special treat an interview that we taped earlier today that i can't wait to share with you so don't go anywhere you're listening to roadmap to heaven we'll be back in just a few minutes are you enjoying this episode of Roadmap to Heaven? Are you saying to yourself, I wish I could listen to this again? Well, good news, you can. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network to find this episode and more. And for even more great Catholic content, be sure to visit www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-Catholicradio.org and click on the Programs tab for some great shows. And now back to Roadmap to Heaven. When we were getting ready for our broadcast from Seek, Patty called me one day and said, Adam, I don't know what's on your schedule, but you're going to need to clear some time because I've got some friends coming that you're going to want to meet. You're going to want to say hello. And uh, I said, Patty, of course, I, I will clear my schedule for whoever you say we need to meet. And here we are. So, Patty, I'm going to let you kind of take over for our next interview here. Well, I am very, very excited to be here live from Seek with some friends, Ken and Marianne Dupong, and they are from the Diocese of Bismarck, North Dakota. And of course, many of you listeners know I have a lot of connections with that diocese by adopting the seminarians that study at our seminary, Kendrick Lennon Seminary. So throughout all the years, I've met many, many people and um, so excited that Ken and Marianne are here. Now, if you don't know who they are, it's because of we here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis have maybe not heard heard as much about their daughter, Michelle Dupong. But in the Diocese of Bismarck, North Dakota, Michelle Dupong has been named Servant of God. And so we are here with her parents. Now, it's not often that you actually get to talk to someone whose daughter has been named a Servant of God. So first of all, welcome Ken and Marianne to Covenant Network. Oh, Patty. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for inviting us. Oh my on. gosh, we're, we're, we're just blessed. Well, we're blessed to have you and we're excited to share more about the story of your daughter and what's going on with the cause for her canonization with our listeners here in the Covenant Network in the Midwest area who may not know about her. So Marianne, let me begin with you. First of all, tell me about your daughter, Michelle. Oh goodness. Well, Michelle was just a, an easy child, easy child to raise, very cooperative, very disciplined, very faithful, just a joy. You know, we were, you know, again, very blessed, all our children. We just did not have a lot of problems as teenagers or whatever. But Michelle, when she went off to college, I feel that the encounter that they had at NDSU, North Dakota State University campus with the Newman Center, which all our children attend and were very involved. The year that Focus came into that campus, Michelle became involved and took everything, hook, line, and sinker. She just wanted to attend daily mass, do adoration, reach out and invite others to the Newman Center. And it, it really, she blossomed. She blossomed at NDSU. That's wonderful. Now, Ken, let me ask you, what number is Michelle in line of your children? I know you've had, you have six children, so where does she rank in birth order? She's uh, number four. She's number four. Yeah, she's okay. So when she went off to college, number four, did you think anything different when Michelle was going off to college? No. The, the thing about when they went to college, all of our children, they went to NDSU, North Dakota State. And we did, really didn't worry. A lot of parents, they worry about their kids getting into trouble. And ours, they were so involved with the Newman Center. They, they were janitors, and and they just helped out there at the Newman Center so much. And we really didn't worry about them getting into trouble. I mean, it's just, it just was uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of people have that problem. Sure, sure, like The sure. kids getting into all kind of trouble. But hanging out at just, the Newman Center is a great place to be. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, home away from home. Yeah. yeah it was, and then the priests there were just so great. They... That's beautiful. They took care of them. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so after college, I understand that Michelle became a focused missionary. Where was she a missionary? Well, her first assignment was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And and then she's, that was one year. In two years, she was at South Dakota State University. And two years at the University of South Dakota. And her last year as a missionary was at the University of Mary in Bismarck. It was at the same time that Monsignor Shea, at that time Father Shea, came as president of University of Mary. He had heard about FOCUS and he wanted to bring it in, FOCUS program into his campus. And Michelle was on that original team. The original team at the University of Mary. Yes. Wow, that's beautiful. So one year she was a FOCUS missionary there. Yes. And a total of, I was trying to do the six. ad, six years six total years. as a FOCUS mm -hmm. missionary. That's beautiful. Now. Um, then I know that, and this must be, of course, hard for any parent who has ever lost a child. Tell us about her illness and what she went through during that time of suffering in her life. Oh. Well, she was diagnosed when she, in 2014, and she had had a lot of abdominal pain and had gone to medical doctors and mentioned it, but no one really pursued uh, intense study of it and so they just said there's a lot of flu around and kind of brushed it off but by Christmas of 2014 she could hardly walk she had such abdominal pain and then they did a scan and they said it was ovarian cysts and they weren't concerned they said that's not uncommon and they usually dissolve in a young woman so come back and in six weeks and we'll reassess you well she they told her to take pain pain pills and it, it didn't help and it became more intense and she went back right after christmas just immense pain and they said okay we will definitely need to remove them we went in for an outpatient procedure and at that time that took a long time they came back and said we're so shocked 
her abdomen is full of cancer from mm. front to back, side to side. Mm. And, and we don't even know what we can do at this point. And they, we asked if she could have a second opinion by going to Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota. And so she was airlifted there through the, the generosity of our, our chaplain at the University of North Dakota, airlifted Michelle. And um, yeah, it was a whole year. She went a whole year with her suffering from that. They had given her two months to live Mm. And she lived 12. And how old was she when she was diagnosed? 31. 31. And lived a year. And now throughout this time, you, of course, as a family are suffering. Of course, I'm sure you relied on your faith. How did Michelle accept and how did she transform her suffering? I don't know, if Ken, if you want to answer that or Marianne. What, what was that like mm-hmm. to watch her? but also to rely on her faith. Well, that's, that's difficult. <laughs> no, she, she totally accepted it, whatever God wanted from her, and was very peaceful about, about hearing that she had cancer. And she began in, in sharing with us that she wanted to be on a journey of hope and trusting that God had a plan in, in that year of suffering. And from that, um, she was given a great gift, and our family as well, it happened when she was diagnosed and at Mayo, our son-in-law called us and said, we're at the National Sea Conference in Florida. Curtis Martin and all the students attending that conference are praying for you, Michelle. No way. Listen, you gotta tune in. And she did from the hospital bed, and it was such a great grace. And after that um, prayerful time, she did reveal to to my husband that she spoke to Jesus and, and said, Lord, will you heal me? And he said, yes. And she said, in this life or the next? And he said, in this life, but first you will have much to suffer. And then she said, Lord, how do I know this is you? To question the voice. And he said, Michelle, you know my voice. Mm. And so from that, it was, a, again, a very great blessing for us to have this faith, confidence that she would be healed. As the year progressed and the healing didn't come that the way we thought it would come. The physical healing. It became very evident in the way Michelle had accepted her disease. She wanted to be purified. She wanted to be ready to go to Jesus. In fact, at the end of her life, we found out after her funeral, in fact, that she revealed to someone, a religious sister, that she was going to die on Christmas Day. And she never shared that with us, but we were all able to be around her and pray with her and it was a very peaceful death but then we were given a great grace after her passing too of hearing our oldest daughter heard her say to her when she was asking for a sign I want to know you're in in heaven she said Lise you won't believe how beautiful Mm. and she did pass away on Christmas Day on Christmas Day very late in the evening wow wow Thank you for sharing that because I know that must not be easy. Everyone asking you, you know, as your daughter is now a servant of God, I'm sure you relive those painful moments, but also you're, you're able to share with us the graces and the blessings, which is so beautiful. So when did her cause for canonization become a reality? And what has that meant for your family? That's an incredible, I can't imagine. I mean, you get a phone call one day from a priest or a bishop saying, guess what? I mean, how did this happen? Well, Marianne knows the, uh, she has the whole story. <laughs> yes, but, it was but, uh, a very surprise call. Yeah, we, di- we didn't know anything about it. We were just out working our cattle and hauling them out to pasture. And, and, and then Marianne called me and said, she got a call and uh, there's going to be like uh, several hundred people coming out to the cemetery and what? (laughs) 
we didn't wow. I didn't have any idea what was going on anyhow she was the priest called her I think it was, it was uh, Monsignor Shay called from the Shea. University of Mary yeah. and at 8 o'clock at night <laughs> after a long hot summer day of, of but, preparing but at, with cattle and, uh, uh, and they came out, out that our, night yeah out, he said out we're out on our way, way a caravan yeah it's light till 1030 so sure yeah that's right <laughs> so summer in North Dakota <laughs> uh, so they came out and, and why did they need to come out uh, well it was a pro- they had a a commissioning mass with Bishop Kagan at the University of Mary. It was the sending off of the focus missionaries that had gathered, and there were around 500 at, at the campus at the time. And that their closing mass, the bishop made the surprising announcement that he was going to open the cause. And Monsignor Shea also was like, Wow. And so when he shared with us, this news was like, we had no idea. Wow. And so she said, we're coming out. We're praying at her grave. We'd love to have you there. And and so that was yeah, the start of it. There was, they just did the rosary and singing and prayers for over an hour and two hours. All I know that the hillside was full of cars and young people. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I, I think of that. And, and, Normally with an announcement or something, you know, uh, hey, we're going to do this. and You should stop by. We'd love to have you as our honored guest or invited. They, they let some of the key people know in advance this is going to happen. But the, you got a phone call. Monsignor Shea didn't know. No, no one knew except the bishop that this was going to happen. And then all of a sudden everybody Boom. said, let's go. Let, let's go pray. We have to go pray. No and, time like the present. And we actually heard stories of couples and young focused people that prayed at her grave that night that had... Wow. Miracles. Well, that's my them. next question. So, how has your life changed since? Okay, when did that happen? The announcement was that over a year ago. It was on the fifteenth of June in two thousand twenty-three. About a year and a half 22. ago. 22. So, so twenty-two. 22. Okay, 22. so a year and a half. It's been since you have found out that your daughter's cause for canonization is now proceeding. How has your life changed? What have been some of the blessings that have happened from this? Or what, what can you share about that? What is it like to be the parents of someone whose cause for canonization is progressing to the Vatican? Well, there's just, <laughs> there's so many people that are looking for help mm. for, for God to intercede into their lives. And, and, and Michelle, they're, they're praying to her for her help mm. to intercede for them. And there are so many that need help. I mean, it's just, and it's, it's difficult getting those calls and hearing that, you know, and, and it's a lot of sickness. And, sure, and sure. So you're hearing a lot about suffering help. then, too. Yeah, there's so much suffering. suffering yeah, yeah. And, but they're praying to Michelle for her intercession. Yeah. Have you found yourself praying to Michelle more than maybe you, you thought you would be or that you that you had anticipated? Well, it's it's kind of it's different with Michelle with us because we kind of anyhow myself pray to her not for her like a lot of people after they pass you don't know if they made it to heaven or how they are. And with Michelle, the day after she died, we were praying the rosary. And that's when our daughter, Lisa, started crying. And she said, Michelle just told me it's beautiful up here. Oh, and, wow. and it's like, it's like she's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, there's a Sabatine privilege that Mary has for people that, if they wear the scapular and do a lot of things that she lists, anyhow, she would come to take you to heaven mm-hmm. the first Saturday after you die. Mm. And Michelle died on Christmas, and that was the, a Friday, and it was like 11.23 in the evening, and we thought, well, she had to wait about 40 minutes <laughs> wow. Wow. for Mary to come. Wow. Anyhow. So that's beautiful. Just, uh, we just, yeah, like, prayed to her and, and 
ask her for help. Sure. <laughs> How has your life changed during this last year and a half? The stories. Even right after her death, we knew something extraordinarily happened because we've been through it, grieving for other family members lost and and we get condolence cards and masses and, and it's just an outpouring of people being charitable. In Michelle's case, we were receiving these cards and letters from across the country. How did she know all these people? And how did she, they would have these profound conversions uh, drawn to the faith or reversion to the faith or or um, just an encouragement in, in their struggles through having encountered her. So I saved those letters, and there were over 200 out of the 500 that were put in a pile of special letters. You had over 500 letters? Right after the funeral, the first month. But then wow. we continued getting letters after that, cards, and, and the stories that would come back of people that said they saw her, they heard her, and especially young couples with fertility problems have prayed to her at, at, for her intercession for having a child. And we've just heard so many beautiful stories where they were told they would never conceive, never carry a pregnancy. And they showed pictures. Today, I, one man just walked up and said, we wanted to show you this is our daughter. Francis Michelle, that we prayed, I know he prayed at, at, at her graveside at the University of Mary that night when Monsignor Shea had the group come out for fertility, and this is our daughter. And they named her Francis Michelle. Yes. So wow. I, I know that Michelle. I've got goosebumps. Michelle is definitely very compassionate to people with fertility problems, people that had miscarriages. There too, we had a beautiful letter not long ago, about six weeks ago, of a gal she met when 2008 maybe, but went on a mission trip with her to the Shrine of the North American Martyrs. Sure. And that young gal came to our farm as Michelle brought so many young people to our farm. And she wrote a beautiful letter. I hadn't heard from her since that time, 2008, saying that she had three children and she conceived the fourth and to her surprise, they had a problem in the pregnancy and she miscarried and she was very depressed and, and, and just really shaken. And she was surprised how hard it was for her to go through that miscarriage. Mm -hmm. She had a dream. She saw Michelle holding her baby wow. and lifting that baby up in joy. And she herself received such consolation that it helped with the healing from wow. that loss. Wow. And now she's expecting again. Wow. She wrote this beautiful letter to tell us, I, I, I felt the presence of Michelle. So all of these letters, you said over 200 of them you put in a special pile. Are those part of what has been now taken as, I mean, for lack of a better word, evidence of a holy life that is now at the Vatican? It's that they are, are they reviewing well, those they, letters? They wouldn't yet. It all has to be gathered and reviewed by Father Grafsgaard, the postulator. Yes, the postulator, Father Grafsgaard. So when he receives all the material that he feels he needs, then that will be sealed and sent to the Vatican, and he's no longer involved. He just told us that. Okay, here's what I want our listeners here in the St. Louis area to know. So here's kind of the connection. Father Tom Grafsgaard, who's the postulator for the cause of Michelle Dupont's canonization, he studied at Kenrick Lennon Seminary. And that's when I got to meet Father Tom Grafsgaard. So this is how this whole connection has happened. Um, and it's just so beautiful. And I'm going to get to go up to North Dakota soon this spring and get to come to your farm and get to pray at Michelle's grave. So I'm so excited about this. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful um, for myself, a blessing to get to know you, and I'm so grateful that you came uh, to be here with us on Covenant Network because I want people to know about Michelle Dupont. I mean, I know everybody in North Dakota knows about her because that has spread, <laughs> I know, through the University of Mary and everybody in the priests of your diocese. I know that this is a very exciting time for the diocese to have one of their own. 
be considered for the cause of canonization. But I want people here to know as well. Michelle yeah. Dupong, Focus Missionary. Again, that's also the connection. We're here live at Seek with Focus. They're very, very proud. Final thing I want you to be able to share with our listeners, tell us what is going to happen tonight. <laughs> well, we are very excited for this. Um, Focus came out a couple, three years ago and started a documentary on Michelle's life to use as an, an evangelization tool within the organization. But when they heard the stories and the miracles and then the canonization announcement, they did another documentary, which we just saw last week for the first time, a Christmas gift for us, that will be shown tonight in the hall, and, and hall number two, yeah, here at the conference two. at 9.30 this evening, and it will be this knowing joy, the Michelle Dupont story Radi is the name of it. Radiating joy. Radiating joy is the title of yeah. the documentary. How beautiful. Um, I just, we could go on and on. We I don't could. know how much time we have left to, to Never interview. enough. Never There's enough. Never enough time. But, but here's, here's my favorite thing about this, Patty, is that not only do we get to talk about the life of Michelle, but as Catholics, this isn't just talking about someone with an incredible story. This is also about us asking for Michelle's intercession. And with every cause for canonization, there's a prayer, and there's a specific prayer that, that we're asked to pray. And we get to pray that now. Absolutely. And how wonderful is that? And my final thing I want to say is just this is an inspiration for me to meet you, but you guys are just so down to earth. You're regular, normal people, oh, and, and you're so humble. You're so humble by this whole thing. I can't imagine as a parent what that must be like. But as a parent, and for all of us, I think it's this inspiration of we are all called to holiness in whatever state of life we find ourselves, in sickness and in health, to offer it up right, for the salvation of souls and to be a light in this world. And your daughter was a light in this world. And I'm just so excited that the church wants to recognize that. It brings tears to my eyes. It really does. I'm so excited. But I do want to pray this prayer. We're praying for her cause to continue. And um, let's just all pray with um, all our hearts right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, Son and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I praise and thank you for the, the life of your servant, Michelle Dupont. In her life and suffering, she joined you in your thirst for souls and embraced the cross offered to her. Following her example, I ask for the special grace of and if it bring you greater glory, that she be honored by your church. Jesus, I ask this in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ken and Mary Ann Dupong, what a pleasure it is to have you on Covenant Network. Thank you for taking the time. We hope you enjoy this week at SEEK, and welcome to St. Louis, of course. Thank you. We're so happy to have you here. and. Um, we hope this is a grace-filled week for you as it more is. and more people, I'm sure, come forward and tell the stories yeah. of how Michelle touched their lives. It has been great, great blessing. Thanks, Patty. God bless. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank Covenant Radio for having us.